the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. If we look to the answer as to why for so many years we achieved so much, prospered as no other people on earth, it was because here in this land we unleashed the energy and individual genius of man to a greater extent than has ever been done before. Those who say that we're in a time when there are no heroes, they just don't know where to look. The sloping hills of Arlington National Cemetery, with its row upon row of simple white markers, bearing crosses or stars of David, they add up to only a tiny fraction of the price that has been paid for our freedom. As for the enemies of freedom, those who are potential adversaries, they will be reminded that peace is the highest aspiration of the American people. We will negotiate for it, sacrifice for it. We will not surrender for it now or ever. We are Americans. This is the Bob France Authority on AM 1420. The answer. Yes, indeed it is. And a good morning to you. Thank you so much for joining us as we get underway at eight minutes after the hour of nine o'clock on this Monday, the 23rd morning of the ninth month of the year of our Lord, 2019. Coming up in one hour, John Cardillo is going to uh, explain everything that you need to know about Joe Biden's son, Hunter Biden, and his connections to Ukraine. You might not think you care. You might, you may think this doesn't matter. Um, it does if they're going to try to take down the president over this. And that's where we are this morning. That's the big story going on this morning as well as climate change. And we'll get to that in a second. But John Cardillo, host of, uh, news, uh, uh, excuse me, America Talks Live on Newsmax Television each day is going to shine a light on all of this for us at about 10.05. So one hour from now, he'll explain how and maybe why Joe Biden's son, Hunter Biden, was able to secure $3 million of Ukrainian money uh, by way of his uh, uh, oil company. And he's, he essentially was getting paid $50,000, not a year, $50,000 per month, $50,000 per month. It all totaled up about $3 million. That, that dollars. That's what uh, Hunter Biden received from Ukraine. Money that went through Latvia and the Cyprus before entering the United States. It's a big deal. There's a long, complicated spider web to follow. Uh, it does branch off into different directions. We'll do our very best to explain it to you and, uh, and cover what, uh, the media is now salivating over, which is the newest quote unquote investigation, end quote, of, I guess I already ended the quote, didn't I? Uh, investigation or round of investigations of President Trump with an eye toward impeachment. I mean, and if you're tired of this, by the way, you can only imagine 
how the president feels about it. I mean, every single day or every single week, it's some new investigation with an attempt to invalidate the president's election and impeach him uh, from office. It is really, really getting tiresome. Rudy Giuliani has, <clears throat> excuse me, Rudy Giuliani, uh, uh, the president's personal ter- attorney, is all over this. And he is all over the media, and he wants everybody to know what's going on. He's denying claims that the president has pressured the Ukrainian government back in July to investigate Joe Biden uh, and any connection he had to his son's relations, uh, business dealings with Ukraine. He was talking on Fox uh, uh, Business Channel, Maria Bartiromo, uh, this morning, and he claimed that Democrats, excuse me, in Congress have no interest whatsoever in an investigation, truthfully, of uh, this uh, connection to Ukraine. They're just looking for political wins. This is about damaging the president so that his name is branded with more mud so that it perhaps can influence people uh, in, in a general election to come to turn away from the president. This is all about damaging his election, re-election uh, chances. It has nothing to do with justice. There's no quid pro quo, no money, a proper action by a president. They might say improper, but... Certainly not grounds for impeachment. As the story gets less serious, as the story disappears, they still want to impeach. So I hope the American people get the point. They want to impeach. It doesn't matter. That's what it is. It's all about. It's about impeachment, and it's about if they can't get impeachment, let's hang enough uh, clouds of suspicion over his head to create um, uh, an impeachment by way of essentially defeating him at the ballot box. If we can't physically, literally remove him from office before November of 2020, let's put enough clouds of impeachment over his head that the people remove him in 2020. That's- Did the president threaten to cut off aid no. to the Ukraine? No. no, that was a false story. 100%. Well, I can't tell you if it's 100. Because we know that the administration did delay U.S. aid to Ukraine. The Wall Street Journal also fails in its false article today. It fails to point out on the headlines on Saturday in the Ukraine, but the Ukrainian version of this story. Ukraine says no pressure. The foreign minister of the Ukraine gave a speech, and he said that he's privy to the tape, privy to the conversation, there was no pressure. You know what's really interesting about that part of the story, about um, the, the accusations, from the whistleblower, who, by the way, and this is a big part of the story in this whistleblower, Trump v. whistleblower uh, campaign, and I'm going to call it a campaign because it really is. They uh, they have essentially lo- launched a campaign to destroy Donald Trump's credibility, just to destroy Donald Trump's um, re-election campaign itself. So this is kind of a campaign in and of its own right, or at least a campaign tactic or aid. But... Um, they're trying to suggest that President Trump used foreign aid to Ukraine as a cudgel uh, to try to force an investigation or force the Ukrainians to uh, help investigate Joe Biden and illegal or improper dealings by either him or his son or a combination thereof with that foreign country. What What I find really fascinating here is that nobody is talking about how President Trump became the very best friend that Ukraine had after Barack Obama abandoned them. Do you remember back in the Obama administration when Barack Obama warned Vladimir Putin, do not invade Ukraine, do not try to annex Crimea? Do you remember all of that? And his job, 
Barack Obama's job, his responsibility was to follow up on that. And that means provide Ukraine, not talking about bombing Russia, uh, provide Ukraine with the weapons and with the finances, whatever they needed to defend themselves against Russia in case Russia did that. Well, Vladimir Putin looked at Barack Obama, laughed at him, may have flown a Russian bird at him, and then invaded and annexed Crimea anyway. And Barack Obama continued to leave the Ukrainians out to dry, hung them out to dry, just left them, right? Donald Trump comes into office, one of the first things he does is arm Ukraine. One of the first things he does is provide them with foreign aid so that they can defend themselves against further Russian aggression. Remember, this is a man who's supposed to be in the pocket of Vladimir Putin. This is a man who's supposed to be Vladimir Putin's puppet. This is a man who's supposed to be uh, dangling on the end of, of the Kremlin's strings. That's the way the media tells the story. Donald Trump has been a supporter of Ukraine. So the idea, and especially in light of the um, very damaging relationship that the last president had with Ukraine, he let them, you know, twist in the wind. If anybody, if anybody was Vladimir Putin's stooge, if you will, it was Barack Obama, only because, not that they would have conspired with one another, but only because Obama let Putin do pretty much anything he wanted. And you can take that into other countries as well. Vladimir Putin, of course, and the Russians, strong supporters of Syria. How many times did Barack Obama tell Bashar al-Assad in Syria that there was a red line? This will be what prompts us to act in response militarily. If you use chemical weapons on your own people. And what happens? Time and time again, Russian-backed, Putin-backed, Syria did exactly that, and Barack Obama looked the other way and said, well, I was only just kidding anyway. I mean, if I'm Vladimir Putin, truthfully, this is what made the entire, I'm getting a little bit off in the weeds here, this is what made the entirety of the Russian collusion narrative so comedic. If I'm Vladimir Putin, if I'm a Russian diplomat, if I am working in the Kremlin, the last thing that I want is for Donald Trump to win the presidency because the Democrats are at my beck and call. That's the bottom line. If Hillary Clinton was going to, and she would, have uh, essentially extended the Barack Obama doctrine into a third term, that's exactly what I want. Because Barack Obama allowed Vladimir Putin to do pretty much anything that he wanted. Donald Trump came in and actually enforced enforced Obama's previously directed red lines. President Trump came in and armed Ukraine so they could defend themselves against Russian aggression. After Russia had already done this under Obama's watch to, uh, to annex Crimea. So the president is talking to the Ukrainian uh, leader... In July, and according, this is the funny part about all of this, according to the whistleblower complaint, the president pressured the Ukrainian uh, leadership to invest, uh, 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 pressured them to investigate Joe Biden and Hunter Biden's business dealings uh, with Ukraine, 
to find out if anything untoward was happening there in order to perhaps damage uh, Joe Biden's presidential campaign because he very well may be uh, President Trump's opponent in the general election. But according to the whistleblower, he did this and threatened them with uh, cutting off uh, foreign aid, cutting off American aid to the Ukraine, to Ukraine. But the two problems. Number one, multiple people in the intelligence community were listening in on that call, as is standard protocol. Why would the president say or do something that may be illegal, knowing that there were numbers, a number of people who were going to be able to listen to that call? And they expect, by the way, it has always been the expectation of the American president and the American State Department that high um, leverage talks, conversations between foreign leaders are kept private. Otherwise, foreign leaders are not going to, and the president either, no matter who the president may be, not Trump, just generally the American president, they're not going to want to have those calls. If things that they say uh, in these communications are going to be uh, leaked, or in this case, quote, you know, and there's a fine line between leaking and whistleblowing. Right. But number one was numerous people were listening to that and nobody else had a problem with what the president said. Nobody thought that it was something, something scandalous or something dark or something illegal. And the number two, the whistleblower who decided to blow the whistle wasn't there. The whistleblower did not get this firsthand. The whistleblower got this secondhand from somebody else and then, quote unquote, blew the whistle. And so they want to demand that the transcripts be released. Why? The person making the complaint has no idea what was said. It just doesn't make any sense. The idea that President Trump would put his presidency on the line by making some sort of a, a blackmail threat, we will cut off aid to Ukraine if you don't investigate Joe Biden knowing that the, that others would hear this, even if it was expected to be kept private, which is what all of these communications always are, whether it's a binary talk or others or otherwise. The idea that he would put all of that at risk is simply laughable. And the fact that the whistleblower who is now being hailed as the hero, who has led to new conversations on impeachment, wasn't even there, this is about as bad as the would-be victim of Brett Kavanaugh who says, I wasn't there. All right, she doesn't say I wasn't there. She says, I don't remember anything like that. I don't remember anybody doing anything like that to me. How is there a crime when there is no complaining witness, when there is no would-be alleged victim? How is there a statement of uh, presidential uh, misconduct being made by somebody who was not present, who got it secondhand? You know, in a court of law, we don't accept, accept, expect, excuse me, accept secondhand hearsay evidence, and yet we're supposed to accept it here and move on impeachment as a result of it. All right, a lot of ground to cover on this story and much, much more. I've got more Judy, Rudy Giuliani audio for you. Lindsey Graham, Senator Lindsey Graham, also has a very clear picture of all of this. He was just on with Hugh Hewitt. He was also on with Fox, though, and I'm going to let you hear that as well. So that's coming up. we got a lot of good stuff for you. Uh, the climate strikers are acting like... <clears throat> buffoons and blocking D.C. traffic, trying to shut down D.C., uh, all in order to help save the planet for racial justice. Wait, what? Yes, climate justice is race racial justice. How do we know that? 
Well, you just have to ask the right people. I'll share the answer to that sto- that question and the rest of that story coming up on AM 1420, The Answer. WHKRadio.com is where to find the Bob France Authority podcast. So much ground to cover today, very little time to get to it all, but uh, we're going to do our best. I'm going to hold off on the climate story that I just teased, okay? Uh, we'll hold off on uh, what which uh, notable demon rat decided that the Green New Deal was necessary in the fight against climate change because it's also a fight for racial justice. Wait, what? Is the climate warming or the planet warming and it's only affecting people of some races? I don't understand. Well, you'll understand. She might not. Oh, I just gave a little hint as to who it might be. But uh, I'm going to hold off on that for the next segment because I want to finish this part of the Biden story right now. The idea, once again, that President Trump threatened uh, to withhold aid from Ukraine if they didn't investigate uh, Joe Biden and Joe Biden's son is is really laughable. But what's not laughable, what is really truly no joking manner, is the fact that Joe Biden literally interfered with the basic government of and a sovereign foreign nation, all in an attempt to stop a prosecutor in that nation from getting closer and closer to his son and what may have been his son's illegal dealings. You talk about, an, I would love to know how this story would be treated and reported by CNN or MSNBC or any of the mainstream news media. Uh, had this been uh, Eric Trump, and Donald Trump going over and and uh, threatening the prosecutor of a nation, you better stop, you better stop, you better, and, and telling the the leader of that nation, you better fire this federal prosecutor who's investigating my son, or else we're going to have problems. I would love to know how they, but but this isn't an allegation, this isn't an accusation, this is right from the horse's mouth. This is very specifically what Joe Biden said. Joe Biden got a prosecutor fired. The same prosecutor who was getting closer and closer to figuring out exactly what uh, his son Hunter Biden was doing there for his $50,000 a month. Now, I want you to listen to this. Joe Biden admission. I'm desperately concerned about the backsliding on the part of uh, uh, Kiev in terms of corruption. They made, I mean, I'll, I'll give you one concrete example. I, I, I was... Not I, I, but it just happened to be that was the assignment I got. I, I, I got all the good ones. Uh, and uh, so I got Ukraine. And uh, um, I remember going over convincing our team, our brothers, to convincing us that we should be providing for loan guarantees. And I went over, I guess, the 12th, 13th time to Kiev. And, uh, and I was going, supposed to announce that there was another billion-dollar loan guarantee. And I had gotten a commitment from Poroshenko and from uh, Yatsenyuk that they would take action against the state prosecutor, and they didn't. So they said they had. They were walking out to press conference. Said, "No, nah. I said I'm not going to. We're not going to give you the billion dollars." They said, "You have no authority. You're not the president." The president said, "I said call him." <laughs> I said, "I'm telling you, you're not getting the billion dollars." I said, you're not getting the billion. I'm going to be leaving here. And I think it was, what, six hours? I looked, I said, I'm leaving in six hours. If the prosecutor's not fired, you're not getting the money. Well, son of a bitch. <laughs> got fired. 
And they put in place someone who was solid at the time. Someone who wasn't working toward investigating his son. Now, that was Joe Biden speaking uh, before the media at the Council on uh, Foreign Relations uh, event. This is just the tip of the iceberg. Understand that. This man just laid out a different reason, by the way, but why he got a foreign prosecutor fired with his own influence as vice president. Now, again, I would ask you, how would that have played out had it been Trump and not Biden? Or, I guess, to really make it apples to apples, because he was vice president at the time, it would have to be Pence in a situation like this. But you understand that the long, the long knives of the media aren't out for Pence as much as they are for Trump. So we have to kind of make the comparison. Also, the fact that the Trump sons are involved in the administration. So uh, how would that have played out had Donald Trump gotten a foreign prosecutor fired the same one who was investigating and getting closer to uh, revealing what um, his son was doing for the $3 million or $50,000 a month from the Ukraine. All right, it's uh, 9.30. We're going to get a newscast now. On the other side, we'll finish up on this, but we will also bring you the climate story as they try to grind D.C. to a halt now with all of the climate change nutjobs and uh, why this matters to people who are uh, believers in and supporters of, quote-unquote, racial justice. That story still to come as we continue in 1420 The Answer. All right, 936 now the Bob France Authority on AM 1420. The answer, the climate activists, the nut jobs who have no earthly idea about Earth's natural cycles and the fact that it has warmed and frozen and warmed and frozen and warmed and frozen numerous times uh, in its um, billions of years of existence long before mankind ever put their first SUV uh, onto, uh, onto its surface. They're out in full force trying to shut down Washington, D.C. today. They're blocking traffic. They're laying down in roads, disrupting the morning commute. The idea is to, quote, shut down D.C. And uh, their goal is to force officials in D.C. and all over uh, the country to uh, to engage in and to enact new climate controls. Uh, climate change controls, rather. They want to literally affect the infrastructure of D.C. today so that the infrastructure of America can be turned upside down. What they are asking for? No, not asking. What they are demanding is they break the law. They are demanding uh, the Green New Deal. The Green New Deal, of course, is the brainchild of a group of socialists who have found their front man slash woman, otherwise known as Alexandria Damasio-Cortez. The Green New Deal... Uh, essentially reverts the United States and their goal would be the rest of the world, although the rest of the world will not follow. I should, I should hit that a little harder. Let's suppose for one second that the United States decided to undertake a $90 trillion boondoggle and erase all of the technical, technological advances that have come with the industrial revolution, the, uh, Silicon Valley revolution and all of the advances we have made. And gone, if we go back to the wagon wheels, the 
plow mules, plow horses, uh, oxen instead of tractors, and so on and so forth, all because we have to get rid of the internal combustion engine, which is a big part of this thing. Let's say we gave up air travel because there's no such thing as a battery-powered airplane. It requires jet fuel, which requires oil. Let's suppose they were successful in convincing the United States of America to elect leaders to go ahead and enact this policy and take us back into... Um, you know, uh, previous iterations of this country. Let's take us back to the 1800s. Let's suppose for one second that was able to, to happen, and it won't. What makes you think that the rest of the world would agree? We already had, let's just consider this for a moment, of all the nations that signed on to the Paris Climate Accord back when Obama was president, of all of the nations, the biggest, the world's biggest nations, the, the, the largest populations and the, uh, uh, largest polluters, if you will, included the nations of India, China, and the United States. Now, the Paris Climate Accord mandated that each country reduce their emissions, their carbon emissions, thus their quote unquote pollution of the, uh, you know, into the atmosphere and the climate, reduce them by X percent. Okay. Now, when Donald Trump came in, he pulled out of the Paris Climate Accords because it's ridiculous. Doing all of these things to cut our climate emissions are going to drastically hurt our economy, hurt American workers, uh, and and drag us down into a place where we are no longer a world, an international world economic power. So Donald Trump pulled us out, and yet, without being compelled to do so by a climate accord that we no longer belong to, we have still cut our emissions just organically, without being ordered to by government, without regulations that stifle business growth, without regulations that stifle job growth, we cut our emissions by more than anyone else in the world, literally all other countries, just organically, which is really important to note. But while we were doing that, what happened with the other nations that were still part of that accord? India hasn't cut anything. China hasn't cut anything. The nations that are supposed to be the world leaders in this, you know, climate change, and we're going to cut our climate emissions, we're going to do things differently in order to, to save the planet and extend the planet's life and blah, blah, blah. They've done nothing. And who's holding them accountable? The United Nations? Forget about it. Not even a chance. So, again, if we were to implement something as radical and drastic as the Green New Deal, which calls for veganism so that we do not have factory farming of, of cows, no more cattle ranches because of cow flatulence. This is, it sounds like a joke, but it was literally in the Green New Deal's step-by-step instructions on how to, uh, quote-unquote, save the planet, preserve its resources, and so on and so forth. Um, even if we were to do that here in the United States, drastic and radical and ridiculous and, and backwards thinking as it is, the rest of the world is not going to comply. And in order for this to have any impact on the climate, if any, and I will use the two, the biggest word in, in the entirety of, of the English language. It's only two letters. If, if, if we were to, uh, sign on to this and the whole world were to follow. There is still zero evidence that it would change the natural heating and cooling cycles of this planet, which, again, has gone through ice age after ice age after ice age at least ten times throughout this planet's history. And each time, you know what happened over the course of the evolution of, of, uh, of uh, the planet? It warmed. The climate warmed. The impact of the sun 
on our on this rock that circles around it, honestly, is something we cannot control. We cannot alter that. We are not capable. The idea, remember, humankind have only, has only been in existence on this planet for, you ready for this? Blink. One time. If you're driving right now, it's okay. You can open them up real quick. Just blink. Blink. There you go. Blink your eyes. That's how long we've been on this planet. It has been here long before us. It will be here long after us, and it will warm and cool as it sees fit. Humankind is not going to control that. It is just the height of arrogance uh, that we we believe we can. At any rate, so so back to the part about um, what does this have to do with racial justice? I don't know. Let's ask the could be, maybe, and in fact, according to recent polling, will be front runner for the Democratic nomination as president of the United States. United States. In that massive pool of candidates that does cesspool, I forgot to put the cess part, in that cesspool of candidates, which, by the way, is shrinking with de Blasio on Friday uh, ending his campaign. Gillibrand is already gone. There's a whole host of them that have already bowed out, but it's still a giant group. And one of the leaders of the cesspool now, surging past Joe Biden in Iowa, site of the caucuses, is Elizabeth Pocahontas Warren. Pocahontas believes, and said so earlier this month, that we need to implement the Green New Deal not just for climate justice, but because of racial justice. She, This was part of the town hall, you may remember, back uh, earlier this month, that was on CNN. And she declared that the Green New Deal is about racial justice. She released her comprehensive multi-trillion dollar climate change proposal, Remember, Elizabeth isn't a stated, quote, democratic socialist, the way Bernie Sanders is, the way Alexandria Damasio-Cortez is. She is just, uh, she's just on the fringes of it. She kind of actually is in the mainstream with it, but she refuses to say it because I think she knows the danger of the world. The word, rather. The danger of the world, word socialist. So she releases her proposal on CNN earlier this month, and she tells the CNN town hall audience, that her multi-trillion dollar boondoggle is about more than just saving the planet. It's also about racial justice. Chris Cuomo had asked her how her plan will affect individuals with jobs in the fossil fuel industry. And she responded by arguing that the Green New Deal proposals are about racial justice and worker justice. What do you do to those men and women who are working in that industry now, Cuomo asked her, or who are worried about being displaced? And she said, and I quote, I think this is one of the best parts about the Green New Deal. It's not only about setting the targets on green so that we save this planet. It's about a new deal for people who work. It's about justice for people whose communities have been destroyed. It's about racial justice on environmental issues. It's about worker justice, end quote. (laughs) If this woman... Out of 340 million people on this in this country, if this woman honestly and truly is the choice that the Democrats throw up there against Donald Trump, um, I can't wait for November of 2020. Honestly, she declared when he she was asked by Cuomo about the men and women working in the oil and natural gas and and coal fossil fuel industries, millions of them. I mean, literally, millions of them. I don't know the exact number, but you just think about the size of the fossil fuel industry and think about how many people need to be working in it to continue that production. 
which, by the way, we are now at an all-time high in oil exporting uh, in this country. We we are in a net exporter rather than a net importer for the first time in this country's history. Just FYI. Kind of matters, all of these millions of people. And she said, well, that's one of the best things. It It will be a new deal for people who work. It will bring about racial justice for people whose communities have been destroyed. I think what she is saying is, and I really don't know the racial makeup of coal mining. I don't know the racial makeup of the oil industry, oil drillers, oil company employees, or natural gas, uh, any of those in those industries. But it sounds to me like what she is saying is when all of these white workers are displaced from the fossil fuel industry, that will be worker justice and racial justice because of the number of people who are minorities in this country who are unemployed, etc. Her plan addresses the question Cuomo pitched, promising financial security to co-workers and others in the fossil fuel industry via early retirement benefits, as well as potential job training union protections and benefits and guaranteeing wage and benefit parity for the affected workers. But she refused to comment further on her comment, uh, or on her statement, rather, about racial justice. So at any rate, this climate uh, hoax that's going on today, this uh, you know, this support of the hoax, if you will, in Washington D.C., they're trying uh, to force uh, D.C.'s infrastructure to a uh, you know to grind it to a halt, uh, as what they believe is a uh, an example of how this entire country's infrastructure needs to be halted, at least in terms of how it's built now, so that they can rebuild it in a more climate friendly model. And wor- the worst part about this is, is they're using children. They're using children as their front. It kind of matters. It kind of matters, the fact that they have kids at the forefront here. And what it is, it's, a, it's child abuse. It's, a, it's the exploitation of kids. There's a great piece in the Post today, New York Post, that is, um, about what was going on and what started out on Friday. They, on Friday, in advance of the United Nations Climate Summit, students across the country walked out of their schools as part of their climate strike. They're using them, they're, they're using them in D.C. today. In New York City, the Department of Education gave its stamp of approval to the walkout and said nobody will be held accountable for, uh, for truancy, and everybody is basically essentially getting a holiday, a climate change holiday. They won't mark it down as an absence, saying this is less a strike and more of a coordinated effort by the school system to force political action on children. Now, here's the question. You see, let's say you see thousands, or maybe you saw, rather, on Friday, thousands of children marching in a school or a city near you, rather. And you see the marching, oh, isn't that great? Look at these kids. They're so active. They get it. They understand. What do you think is really going on there? Do you think any of those kids... Or at least, do you think that 95% of them give a rat's behind why they got out of school? Or do you think they're just excited because they're out of school? We don't have to go to class today. I'll carry whatever sign you want me to carry. I'll march wherever you want me to march. No math today. No algebra. No chemistry. No uh, to kill a mockingbird in my English class. Let me go. I'm with you. So they're marching these kids out there and exploiting their... I don't know, kiddom, otherwise known as childhood, and mar- and uh, and trying to paint it as paint it as a strong movement of America's youth moving forward against climate change because they get it. The Department of Education in New York, we applaud our students when they raise their voices in a safe and respectful manner on issues that matter to them. <laughs> Does that matter to any of them? 
You tell them they're, if you tell them you get to get out of school today because we're marching in favor of uh, the restoration of the unicorn uh, to the animal kingdom. Yes, bring unicorns back. Nobody will bother telling them that they never existed in the first place, but we're here for it. Um, Mayor Bill de Blasio tweeted about the strike this morning. Young people are taking action against climate change in record numbers. You know why? Because Washington won't. We're running out of time. Our kids aren't waiting. We can't wait either. Hashtag climate strike. This is the exploitation of children. There's, there's no other way to say it. This is the exploitation of children. Um, one Park Slope Elementary School in New York sent parents a note that the entire school would be walking out for this climate strike. A mother of a six-year-old told the New York Post, I am all for people supporting causes they believe in, but do not force your causes and beliefs on my first grader. Well, no, but Bill de Blasio said your first grader, your first grader cares about uh, climate, uh, you know, climate change. And your first grader wants the government to take action because your first grader understands all of that. This is truly the exploitation of children. And in my book, exploitation is pretty much synonymous with abuse. This is child abuse for political gain, and it's typical expected behavior on the part of demon rats. And now they are blocking and laying down in traffic, putting themselves in potentially harm's way. But, of course, if anybody actually is to move forward through that uh, with their vehicles, they're the ones who are going to be the uh, on the criminal end of things. So it is... Uh, it is continuing. Lord only knows how many kids are a part of what's going on in this uh, shutdown DC event today as part of Climate Strike 2019. But we'll keep you posted on that as we go. All right, it's 9:52. Quick time out. Right back after this on AM 1420. The answer. Now heard through downtown, through Greater Cleveland on 102.5 FM. It's the Bob France Authority. Nine fifty six. Now I want to get a little bit more audio in here for you before we uh, get to the top of the hour. And again, John Cardillo, Newsmax TV, uh, America Talks Live host, is going to be joining us uh, with the latest on the Ukraine story and President Trump versus the quote unquote whistleblower and the new manufactured impeach Trump crisis uh, that is uh, making the rounds. Uh, but first, I want to play this for you. The Daily Caller went out there on Climate Strike Friday, and today, of course, it's. It's uh, shut down D.C. But on Friday it was climate it was climate change Friday and this uh, big strike. They had all of the kids out there exploiting them. Well, the Daily Caller went out and talked to some of the people there who were protesting climate change while carrying and using products made by fossil fuels. It is amazing to learn how many of these halfwits don't know what plastic comes from. Don't know that oil is used in the production of plastics. Don't know that fossil fuels are part of almost everything that they use every single day. Uh, but that's okay. They don't have to know. They are willing idiots. Please listen. We're here at the climate change strike. I'm Stephanie Hamill with The Daily Caller. We're asking people what their climate change sins are, and we're also trying to find out what exactly they like about the Green New Deal. What's your biggest climate change sin? Um... 
I mean, I'm. <laughs> I try my best. I actually live in Frederick, but work in Annapolis, so I drive about an hour and a half every single day. I live in the US, but I'm from the UK, so in the last couple of years, I've done a lot of transatlantic flights. Maybe it shouldn't take us an hour to get somewhere, or six hours to get to Europe. It should take us 13 days because we're traveling to a totally other country. Do you, do you see what 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 I said earlier in the program? Why I wasn't wrong. When I said they want to take us back to uh, to you know a century and a half ago, pre-industrial revolution, pre-modern technology, it should take us 13 days to cross the Atlantic, not six hours. We're going to go back to 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 steamships. I mean, let's keep listening. Totally other location. I did try and look at the trains to San Francisco from DC. <laughs> it's just like would take two days and i guess there's some people out there who would say well you can still do that like what what's the excuse we're not really going to have much of a country left in the next 50 years if nothing is done about the climate what's this made out of i i'm not sure is this plastic (laughs) this isn't mine okay we're at a climate march and uh you're wearing plastic Uh, yes or something made from fossil fuels that's why we have to change our systems so that it's easy and accessible for people to not wear plastic. So would this be one of your climate Not change? just wear plastic, dimwit. Use plastic. Do you have any earthly idea how much plastic is used in our lives? In so many products, including the iPhone you're carrying, its case, your car, your home, your den, your desk, your kit. I mean, holy goodness. They want to stop mining the earth for fossil fuels, and yet have no earthly idea how much of them they use and what this country would look like without them. She's like, "Uh, yeah, maybe we should have a reminder not to wear plastic. No, if you want to stop the use of fossil fuels and revert to centuries-old technology or lack thereof, or maybe convert to modern solar and wind technology, Good luck making your iPhone with solar and wind technology. You know, all of those plants that produce these things that you love so much, do you realize that most of them are coal-powered? Holy goodness. The, I, I've got more of that audio, but I'm up against the news here at the top of the hour. Uh, I'll tell you what I'll do. During this news break, and before John Cardillo of America of uh, Newstack Max TV comes on from America Talks Live, I'll tweet this out. Follow me on Twitter and on Facebook. France Radio, F-R-A-N-T-Z Radio, all one word, no spaces, no underscores. Watch this uh, four minutes of uh, comedy for yourself, and we'll talk about it as we continue in the next hour on AM 14. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of Contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.